Welcome to Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. My co-pilot, as always, is John Baylor, Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Miami University. He was also the co-author uh, with me. I should say you. I was your co-author because you're first author well, on we this. were co-authors together. Of statistics this behind the headline. Lines and today we are bringing you yet another chapter of the book. It is chapter eight: one governor, two outcomes, and three COVID tests. Yeah, I, I still love this title. I feel like we were channeling our inner Dr. Seuss. I think you were channeling your inner Dr. Oh, Seuss. oh, okay, yeah. Well, that probably was true. So, you know, in this chapter, it was really interesting to think about how different tests have different sensitivity, whether you might test negative on some tests and positive on other screening tests, and how that played out in the experience of the uh, governor of Ohio. Yeah. So Governor Mike DeWine had been uh, scheduled to meet with President Donald Trump, um, had a positive COVID test, and then couldn't meet with him. And so there was a lot of coverage of that, as well as sort of the um, intricacies of COVID testing uh, in relation to that. So our chapter is based on a news story that was published in the New York Times about uh Governor DeWine's testing first positive, then negative. And then we also discuss a bit of research about how to interpret COVID-19 test results. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat aspect of thinking about sensitivity and specificity of these screening tests. And, and then the fact that the probability of having a disease given you test positive is quite a bit different than the probability of testing positive given that you have the disease. So it's, it was great, a great exploration of these and, and related concepts. So here it is, Chapter 8, One Governor, Two Outcomes, and Three COVID Tests. Chapter 8. One Governor, Two Outcomes, and Three COVID Tests. This chapter was inspired by a story in the New York Times on 6th of August 2020 with a 7 August 2020 update by Sarah Mervosh. Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio tests positive, then negative, for coronavirus. This chapter also uses software from the British Medical Journal background software interpreting a COVID-19 test result. Story Summary in August of 2020, journalists reported that Ohio Governor Mike DeWine tested positive for COVID-19 in advance of a visit by President Donald Trump to the state. DeWine's positive result meant that he could not meet with the president during the visit. Instead, he and his wife Fran holed up as they awaited the results of a second round of testing as Lieutenant Governor John Husted took over the meet and greet duties. After that first initial positive, DeWine tested negative, and then he continued to test negative, leading to wild speculation about everything from the governor's feelings about the president to the trustworthiness of COVID tests to whether maybe COVID was a hoax after all. In the New York Times story, reporter Sarah Mervosh described what happened and then worked to explain the intricacies of COVID testing, describing the different types of tests and how they might lead to conflicting results. This took place against the backdrop of Ohio purchasing some 4 million antigen tests, the kind that led to DeWine's false positive, in an attempt to expand testing in the state. Access to testing has been a major story of COVID in the United States, and the reporter took some time to also discuss that issue as well. What ideas will you encounter in this chapter? Screening tests all have errors. Sometimes people without disease will test positive, false positive errors, 
and sometimes people with the disease will test negative, false negative errors. The probability of a positive test result among people who have the disease is different from the probability that a person has the disease among people who have a positive test result. A positive test result in a population with a small number of people with the disease may still mean that it is much more likely for a person to not have the disease. The ability of conflict to drive a news narrative. What is claimed? Is it appropriate? Mike DeWine, governor of the U.S. state of Ohio, tested positive for COVID-19 on a rapid antigen test that resulted in DeWine missing an opportunity to meet with the U.S. president who was visiting DeWine's state. After DeWine tested again using a slower, days-to-obtain-a-result versus minutes, more accurate RT-PCR test, he was negative for COVID-19. A replicate test administered a day later was also negative, the claim associated with this story reflected that screening tests are not perfect, and different testing systems have different performance characteristics. One focus of this story was the ability of testing to help with the control of a pandemic outbreak. As reported in the story, quote, experts are increasingly arguing that the best chance to catch the most outbreaks is through large numbers of less accurate tests, but there are drawbacks. Antigen tests will miss some people who would test positive by PCR, with some past antigen tests missing up to half the infections they looked for. Who is claiming this? The governor's office, likely through a public information officer in the office, released the news of the initial positive test result along with the subsequent negative test results. This story is newsworthy because A, it involves a public figure, B, DeWine had taken a somewhat aggressive approach to curb the spread of COVID compared to other states, and C, the positive test kept the governor of a battleground state from meeting with the American president running for re-election at the time. Why is it claimed? The data spoke for themselves in this story. Three tests administered in a short window of time produced two diametrically opposed results, there were two biological outcomes evaluated in the tests. One test detected protein segments, and another probed for virus-specific genetic material. DeWine's positive and the negative status was determined by these tests. There has been a lot of local and national coverage explaining the different types of COVID tests, with many trying to explain the different ways the tests work. Links to some of such stories are provided at the end of this chapter. Is this a good measure of impact? Seeing different results for repeated testing of an individual where little time has elapsed between testing was an ideal measure of impact, particularly the impact of errors in the results of screening tests. No test is perfectly accurate. Accuracy can be defined in different ways, particularly in ways that reflect errors and decisions that are made. Two simple errors are commonly used in describing screening tests. Saying someone has a disease when in truth they don't, sorry Governor DeWine, or saying someone is disease-free when in truth they have the disease. Governor DeWine had three COVID tests. The first rapid test was positive, and the second and third tests were negative. Thus, we assume his true health status is disease-free, particularly given the absence of other symptoms. Screening errors can arise in a host of situations. Suppose a drug test is required by your employer. 
If you are drug-free but the test result is positive, then a false positive error may impact your employment. An employer might require multiple positives before such a dramatic impact on employment status. If you are a drug user but the test result is negative, then the employer may have a concern. These types of screening errors are not limited to blood tests for disease or drug use. Facial recognition software not only unlocks your phone, but might be used in cities or airports to identify criminals. If you are innocent of any crime but arrested or put on a no-fly list, then a false positive error has serious personal consequences. If you are a criminal, then a false negative may place the public in danger. How is the claim supported? False positive and false negative errors are the bad news in the screening test story. The correct decisions in screening tests, test result negative in disease-free person, and test result positive in a person with the disease are the good news. It is important to recognize that these errors can only be made when testing distinct groups of people. A false positive error can only be made when testing disease-free people. A false negative error can only be made when testing people with the disease. This differs from the real questions people, including Governor DeWine, want to ask. Do I have the disease if I test positive? Am I disease-free if my test is negative? What evidence is reported? Probability calculations can be used to calculate the probability of disease given a positive test result if you know the false positive error rate, the false negative error rate, and the percentage of the population with the disease. The British Medical Journal provides a nice web calculator for looking at these probabilities along with a nice visualization of the disease and testing status of a hypothetical population. This calculator allows you to specify test false positive and false negative probabilities and then presents the probability that a randomly selected person from the population has the disease. In addition, this app shows the probabilities in terms of counts of a hypothetical population of 100 individuals classified into four groups based on true disease status, disease, no disease, and screening test result, positive, negative. These probabilities may not be known and can be really hard to estimate, particularly when changing. In real life, there are serious challenges in estimating the probabilities rates that get fed into calculators such as this, but that's beyond the scope of this chapter. Some lingering questions might include how many people had COVID-19 in Ohio when Governor DeWine was tested? How many did not have COVID-19? What were the rates of false positive and false negative errors for the tests? What is the quality strength of the evidence? These error rates vary between different test types and even for tests of the same type. Richard Harris, National Public Radio, reported that PCR false positives from the PCR test were approximately 2%, with variation attributable to the laboratory conducting the study and the test. National Public Radio reported that one rapid COVID-19 test had a false negative error rate of approximately 15%, while better tests have false negative rates less than 3%. Is the claim reasonable in itself? Does prior belief impact my belief? Confirmation bias. The examples below illustrate a comparison of tests with different accuracies and error rates in communities with different percentages of the population who have COVID-19. This percentage, sometimes called disease prevalence, has varied over time in Ohio. However, it increased dramatically at the end of 2020. 
We illustrate the interpretation of positive test results in a comparison of two tests of differing accuracy in two populations, one with a lower rate of COVID-19, say 2 in 100, and one population with a higher COVID-19 rate, say 20 in 100. Community with low rate of infection. Our local paper reported in August 2020 that 1.4% to 1.8% of donors to the American Red Cross had COVID-19. We round this to 2% for our calculation and consider a hypothetical population with 100 people, only two people in the hypothetical population would have disease, and 98 would be disease-free. Rapid, less accurate test. Suppose we had a rapid test with a 10% false positive error rate, 15% false negative error rate, to a population where 2% of the people are truly positive. With the error rates described for this test, both of the people with disease test positive and 10 of the 98 disease-free people test positive. Based on this, a person with a positive test, 2 plus 10 equals 12, has a 16% 2 out of 12 chance of having the disease. Slower, more accurate test. Suppose we had a more accurate test with a 2% false positive error rate, 1% false negative error rate that is applied to this population where 2% of the people are truly positive. As noted above, only two people in the hypothetical population would have disease and 98 would be disease-free. With the error rates described for this test, both of the people with disease test positive and two of the 98 disease-free people test positive. Based on this, a person with a positive test, 2 plus 2 equals 4, has a 50-50, 2 out of 4 chance of having the disease. Community with a higher rate of infection. Now suppose we have a population with 20% having the disease. Here, 20 people in the hypothetical population of 100 would have the disease and 80 would be disease-free. This 20% was based on a different news source that suggested that 20% was one of the highest proportions of COVID-19 in a community in the United States. Rapid, less accurate test. Let's use a rapid test with a 10% false positive error rate 15% false negative error rate, and 20% of the people tested are truly positive. With the error rates described for this test, 17 of the 20 people with disease test positive, and 8 of the 80 disease-free people test positive. Based on this, a person with a positive test, 17 plus 8 equals 25, has a 68%, 17 out of 25, chance of having the disease. Slower, more accurate test. Now suppose we apply a more accurate test with a 2% false positive error rate, also known as 98% specificity, and a 1% false negative rate, also known as 99% sensitivity, to the same population. In this case, all 20 people with the disease test positive, and two of the 80 disease-free people test positive. Based on this, a person with a positive test, 20 plus 2 equals 22, has about a 90%, 20 out of 22, chance of having the disease. 
How much does this matter to me? What do you tell Governor DeWine? What will you conclude if you test positive for COVID-19? Do you have it? If you live in a community with little disease and use a less accurate rapid test, then you only have one in six chance, 16% of having the disease. If you have a more accurate test, then you have a 50-50 chance of having the disease. Here you might want to have a more accurate test if you test positive on the rapid, less accurate test. If you live in a community with more people who have the disease, both tests suggest that you are more likely than not to have the disease. It's important to recognize that these tests are being applied in situations where additional information is available, including where people exhibit COVID-19 symptoms or where people live or work in communities with others who have tested positive. Considering the coverage, many a journalist has groaned as they've taken what they think is a good story to their editor, only to hear, where's the conflict? Conflict is among the news values which drives journalistic coverage of something. The conflict can be political, cultural, social, or as in this case, scientific. Think of some of your favorite stories. Who are the Avengers without Thanos? Batman without Joker? The Cleveland Browns without, well, the Cleveland Browns. Though American football fans might know the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens are major rivals, all true Browns fans know the Browns' worst enemy is themselves. But wait, what conflict can there possibly be in a story about COVID testing, you might ask? All kinds, if you look closely. But above all, there's the conflict between the first positive and then the follow-up negative tests. The thing about conflict is that it creates a feeling of drama around something. As one marketing blog notes, quote, it engages us emotionally as we get to judge the merits of the arguments, judge those who are wrong, and get our righteous agreement jollies by nodding vigorously along with those we agree with. Not that we need more drama around COVID, but the story of testing has been complicated, particularly when it comes to the effectiveness of those tests. And a story about testing does not sound like it's going to catch a lot of people's attention on its own. However, a governor in a red state who came under fire for putting in place some of the more restrictive COVID policies during the early pandemic, testing positive just before a visit from the president, well, that's not a hard sell. Mike DeWine's Does He Have It, Does He Not Have It dance provided reporters with an opportunity to explain to their audiences why some COVID tests might be more likely to produce false positives or false negatives for that matter, but to do so in a way that was not abstract. Quote, in a high-profile example of a new testing frontier, end quote, reporter Sarah Mervosh wrote, quote, Mr. DeWine first received an antigen test, which allows for results in minutes, not days, but has been shown to be less accurate, end quote. She then goes on to say that DeWine's follow-up test used the, quote, more standard procedure known as polymerase chain reaction, end quote, which must be processed in a lab, takes longer to process, and which generally results in fewer false positives. Mervosh also places DeWine's plight into the larger public health picture, discussing how experts think widespread testing is necessary to curb the spread of COVID and to really understand its scope. But that widespread testing in the United States had not really happened when we were writing this chapter. 
Antigen tests like the one that produced the false positive for DeWine had been seen as one answer to that testing issue, but, quote, there are drawbacks. Antigen tests will miss some people who would test positive by PCR, with some past antigen tests missing up to half the infections they looked for, end quote. A story from Cincinnati TV station WKRC did not spend too much time on the ins and outs of testing, focusing on the governor's response. He and Fran felt fine, he said, although it did point out that DeWine still planned to expand testing in Ohio. A new story from the Associated Press, a news agency which publishes stories on its own website, but which other news outlets can also subscribe to and publish stories from, did attempt to tease out the difficulties around COVID testing in the U.S. The conflicting results, the reporters wrote, of DeWine's testing positive for COVID and then negative, quote, underscore the problems with both kinds of tests and are bound to spur more questions about them. Many people in the U.S. can't get lab results on the more accurate version for weeks rather than the hours it took the governor to find out, end quote. All three stories used conflict in some way to shape their stories of DeWine's COVID tests. In the WKRC story, the conflict was just between the two test results, while both the New York Times story and the piece from the Associated Press worked in other kinds of conflicts, including conflicts among Ohioans over DeWine's restrictions and conflicts over the best approach to COVID testing. The important thing is that none of the stories allowed the conflicts to drive them into sensationalistic coverage, which is one of the criticisms of conflict-focused reporting. In these stories, the conflict created spaces for conversation and debate rather than ginned up anger that went nowhere. That kind of measured approach is necessary when a reporter is covering a serious story where conflict may exist if they hope to truly inform rather than inflame their audiences. Review. While the question in early August 2020 might have been focused on whether Governor DeWine had COVID-19, he had been symptom-free from that date until the end of the calendar year when this chapter was first being drafted. Ultimately, the probability that the governor is disease-free reflects the chance of being disease-free given one positive result on a less accurate test and two negative results from more accurate tests. The chance that he is disease-free is very close to one. You might be interested in controlling different kinds of errors with different tests. If you're screening for COVID-19, you might want to minimize false negative errors and to accept potentially higher false positive error rates. A false positive error means a healthy, disease-free person is quarantined and unnecessarily removed from exposing others. This may be beneficial from the perspective of public health and promoting the general societal level health, although an individual would not be happy to be such unnecessarily quarantined false positive. A false negative error means a person with disease is free to mix in the population and infect others. When it comes to reporting, the kinds of conflicts that can emerge from different test results can fuel coverage, But reporters have to be careful to use the conflict to broaden the discussion of something, not to stir up sensation. This is particularly important when it comes to public health issues. Note, portions of this chapter appear in the blog post, quote, My COVID-19 test is positive. Do I really have it? End quote. ISI statistician reacts to the news blog. Stats and Stories Podcasts. 
Stats and Stories has featured a number of conversations about uncertainty and what probabilities of outcomes mean in terms of how likely it is that an event occurs. Alexandra Freeman and Claudia Schneider discussed how we understand uncertainty. Louise Ryan focused on a similar topic. Andrew Flowers discussed how probabilities greater than 50% are not the same things as certainties. Nick Fisher and Dennis Truen described building testing strategies for Australia. Risk literacy and the use of natural frequencies for risk communication was the topic of a conversation with Gerd Gigerenzer. To learn more. To learn more about different types of COVID tests, check out Coronavirus, Rapid Test versus PCR Test, What You Need to Know in the Dayton Daily News in August of 2020. How reliable are COVID-19 tests? Depends which one you mean. A national public radio story in May of 2020. To learn more about the accuracy of COVID-19 tests, check out COVID-19 Story Tip, Beware of False Negatives in Diagnostic Testing of COVID-19. A Johns Hopkins COVID-19 press release. To learn more about screening tests in a different context, facial recognition systems, check out Live facial recognition, how good is it really? We need clarity about the statistics. We need clarity about the statistics in a medium.com post by David Spiegelhalter and Kevin McConway. To learn more about natural frequencies in discussing screening test results, Gerd Gigerenzer's book Risk Savvy, How to Make Good Decisions, and a post on the BBC World Service, Do Doctors Understand Test Results? To learn more about natural frequencies, Consider the framework of a hypothetical population that was part of seven concepts important for being a statistically literate citizen presented by Jessica Utz in a 2003 piece, What Educated Citizens Should Know About Statistics and Probability, that appeared in the American Statistician. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.